Hey, 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 good people. It is me, Rashawn Ali. And yes, we are back with another edition of the Cool Sore Podcast. It feels so good to say that I have literally been in a valley. And I know y'all get tired of me saying all that. Get it together, Rashawn. But I think that we are all just trying to figure this thing out. And I'm glad to be back. Today, we are joined by Aubrey Williams. We chatted via Zoom. Um, so I'm trying this application or that application for the first time as far as my podcasts are concerned. I liked it. It's pretty okay. I'm going to find another way because, you know, I love good quality audio. And I know that you all have been used to me kind of doing the IG lives throughout the pandemic, but really happy to have Aubrey Williams. She is a cool sore of Sigma Gamma Rho, and they recently celebrated their Founders Day, 98 years of service and sisterhood. So congratulations to all the cool sores of SG Rho. And this woman is an amazing producer. She's a creative. She is an author, and I'm really excited to talk to her because she is very open and vulnerable about her mental health journey. It is very, very, very interesting to hear her talk about uh, really her, her struggles and how she has overcome them and is continuing to overcome them. So please enjoy Black Matter with Aubrey Williams. You know you gotta be a cool soror to talk to the cool soror herself. I'm a cool soror. Hey y'all. I am a cool soror of What's up, y'all? I'm a cool soror of... Hi, I am a cool soror of... It's the Cool Soror Podcast, hosted by me, Rashawn Ali. Welcome to this amazing edition of the Cool Soror Podcast, and I'm so very happy to be joined by my friend now. We've become, we've become really cool over the last couple of months. Aubrey Simone Williams, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I woke up feeling really good this morning. I have my Himalayan salt. Yes. That I bought yesterday. Just, you know, really just trying to get into some calming things and yeah. find new methods of meditating. So I've been doing good. Good, good. Of course, uh, you are representing the cool sororors of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated, last created best design. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. I didn't know. I didn't know the tagline. Okay, cool. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about like who Aubrey is. I mean, you're, you're a creative. I mean, you have been in the theater space. You have been on the production side. Um, but tell me a little bit about how you knew that creativity was something that would lead you into the career that you have today. Um, I think I first knew when I was very, very young, my mom, um, well, all of the women in my family owned daycare centers. And one of the first things that I used to do when I used to get upset, my outlet is usually writing. So right. And then I would imagine myself as different people and make them characters. So I never wanted to act because that was just a part of a disorder that I just recently found out I had, um, never wanted to act. Um, always wanted to see other people manifest my work. So that was kind of how I got into that space creatively as a young child. I want to say 10, 11 years old, I started doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up going to high school for it, performing arts high school, got kicked out of the air because I was just, <laughs> I was a wild child in high school. I was, I was very outgoing, um, but they, they put it on my, uh, my transcript as, um, 
what do they call it? Uh, withdrawal, but I was actually kicked out. Um, ended up graduating. <laughs> wow. Because I, I, I had good grades. So they was just like, whatever. She just, she's just all over the place. Um, ended up graduating, going to college for theater. Originally acting was my major. Um, acting was never really my thing. I never wanted to be in front of a camera. Um, I have really, really bad a general generalized anxiety disorder. And I never really knew what that was. I always knew I had anxiety as a kid, but unless I cannot see the crowd at all, I cannot perform or unless I don't, if I don't wake up as that person in the morning, I'm not coming to rehearsal. It's, it's like a, it, it's, um, it was very difficult for me to be in that space as an actor. So I chose the production route, which I really, really enjoyed. I love not telling people what to do, but just micromanaging, working as a team, pulling productions together um, and just seeing it come to life, I think is what brings me my greatest joy, even with television, pulling everything together and seeing it come to life on the screen right. stage is what I truly, that's kind of what balances me. Mm -hmm. So I knew at a very young space that, you know, with everything I had going on, family-wise and with other things, the creative spaces where I kind of, that was home for me. Wow. Wow. So knowing all of this, what, what, you, okay. Okay. We'll get into, um, you know, how your mental wellness journey is going, but you, you tapped into certain things early on in your life that you knew that you were different and that you process things differently. How were you able to handle that prior to your diagnosis? Um, I overworked myself, um, especially with my anxiety. Um, I kind of felt like what that was, was just normal. And for mm -hmm. me, I was over exaggerating because I'm a perfectionist and I'm an Aries. And that's just sort of like one of our traces, you know, we overwork, we overachieve. So I just kind of took that as being a part of my sign and that being like an astrological trait yeah. rather than something that was an actual problem because I was, I would obsess, 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 obsess over one thing. Mm -hmm. So then I jump into other outlets and jump into other things and overwork myself. So even though I'm obsessing about this, now I have this to worry about. So I'm not obsessing over this as much, but as soon as this gets done, I'm going to go back to obsessing over this. Mm. But then there's a problem here, I'm going to go back to. So it just became a buildup of me obsessing and panicking and feeling paranoid and feeling, you know, like, not like the world was out to get me, but like, um, I, I didn't want to fail. Failure, mm -hmm. was, failure was my biggest fear, which is why in high school, in college, in grad school, I made straight A's. I was terrified. Like, and I hate maths and I was cool with getting to see a math, but for me personally, I was terrified because of my anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, I thought it was normal because I, I was always into astrology and I just kind of felt like that was a trait that I had. But as I had gotten older and I started having a like physical attacks, mm -hmm. I knew that it was something that needed to be looked at. But I was one of those people who said, oh, well, and I, <laughs> I was one of those people who contradicted myself because I always tell people, oh, well, black people don't want to go to therapy, but they should. Mm -hmm. um, I come from a history of uh, mental disorders on both sides of my family, very, 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 very heavily throughout schizophrenia, bipolar, a multitude of things. And I was the main one saying black people should get therapy, black people should, black people should get therapy. 
but I did not want to because I did not want to be that person that needed therapy mm-hmm. or that burden in the family or the, you know that other burden in the family who needed therapy. Um, but I'm glad I did it because once I figured out what that was and was able to sort of attack it, I don't have any panic attacks since I've started the medication. Okay. Um, I, I do have um, some anxiety here and there, but it's, it's pretty normal. I don't obsess. I don't spend days. Like I would literally spend days obsessing over things, get migraines, get sick, get up, overwork, it starts all over again. So I was never feeling like I was reaching my full potential because of my anxiety. Wow. Wow. So who was help, who was there to help you through this? I mean, you said, you mentioned that you, you know, you had this on both sides and you didn't want to attack it because you probably were going to find out the truth. Um, but who was helping you navigate this? Were you doing this alone? But who was, who was holding your hand throughout this process? Um, nobody, not until mm-hmm. my mom, my mom realized I want to say a year or two ago, how bad my anxiety was. I used to be a theater director over at one of the schools in Atlanta. And I had a really, 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 really bad panic attack on one of the trips we were on. And she told me, she said, you need to go get therapy. Like, this is not a game. I've been telling you this for years now. You need to go. And I think she realized at that point how serious it was. Mm-hmm. But before, I think she just thought, oh, she's a perfectionist. Oh, she's going to knock this out. Oh, she's going to do this. She's going to do that. Because I was kind of like the star child. I was like the overachiever, the one who got all the awards in school. So she wasn't necessarily concerned about me because she thought that my anxiety was just me overachieving. Mm. So up until I was about, I'm 27 now, 25, I didn't have anybody. This was something that I was navigating by myself and I didn't really know what it was. Yeah. And, you know, you could have easily been quiet about it, but you've been very open about your journey um, with uh, mental wellness. Why did you decide to take that route? And how have you seen um, not only your sorority sisters, but your friends react to you being open about it? Um. I just recently decided to open up about it just because it started to affect my relationships. Okay. Um, with my friends, with my family, um, certain things that were out of my character that I began doing that people were picking up on. Things that my, I always kind of referenced my father. Mm-hmm. Um, just because one of the disorders that I have, I believe he has as well. So just some of the traits that other people pick up from my father, I have, or Mm -hmm. I have. So I think at that point, I just kind of felt like um, this is something that I need to address and speak up with my family first and see how they feel about it. Um, Once I got diagnosed, I was in total shock. I was crying. I was like, oh my God, like, I don't want to be another one of those. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was shell shocking for me because even though I kind of, I walked out of there thinking, okay, I'm going to have anxiety. Nine times out of 10, you know, 90% of people in the world probably have some form of anxiety, Mm -hmm. but it's a serious condition. Um, Before I was uh, diagnosed with depression, which was the wrong diagnosis because it was giving me manic episodes for bipolar. So they re-diagnosed me for bipolar. Um, So once I found out the news, I was devastated. 
And one of the best advice that I've gotten, and it actually came from one of my sorority sisters, was that, you know, um, even though you're devastated about the news, this is something that you need to be sharing because somebody could be going through this just like you and handling it just like you and overworking themselves just like you end up committing suicide like mm -hmm. that did a couple of years ago or end up, you know, hurting someone else or just being physically sick and not being able to do anything. Right. Oh, or, you know, and she was just like, you know, just capitalize off of it as well. Educate people, but also capitalize off of it. Also, you know, let people know, hey, if you're having these issues, write, write you know, what your coping mechanisms are, mm -hmm. maybe that as a journal so that, you know, it can help people figure out what they need to do to cope, figure out what they need to do to meditate, whatever your form of meditation is. Um, and she also told me that I needed to, because I'm also coming out, I wrote in my play kind of a little bit of what I was going through. And oh, really? I, yeah, I have a book called Black Matter coming out. Right. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. So it, and because it's in there, um, just to kind of open up to people a little bit about why I am the way I am in certain spaces. Mm -hmm. People have noticed certain things about me. Okay, this is why. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's mostly the reason. And she just she just wanted me to to just let people know that you know you got to know your rights. Yeah. Don't let your job bully you into feeling like just because you're disabled or you have because bipolar is a disability, but everybody doesn't know that. Just because mm. you have a disability that they can bully you out of a job, or you know, you make sure you get paid for your disability. Make sure that you get your six to twelve weeks leave or whatever it is you need yeah because that is a, a real thing they will try to bully you out of it and make you feel like you're incapable of doing your job but I've been at Fox Soul for a year and a half and been promoted three times mm -hmm. with bipolar disorder and generalized anxiety disorder so if I can do it anybody can do it right right absolutely um for those people who may not know because uh you know, I do suffer from um, mild anxiety. And just a couple of weeks ago, I felt like I was having a, a, an anxiety attack. I was like, literally couldn't breathe, heart palpitations, like it felt just enormous amount of fear. And I talked to um, my therapist and uh, the midwife at my OB. And they were like, yeah, that was that. That's what it sounded like. Um, so for people who may be suffering, but don't know how to find the help, do you does bipolar show up in people different ways? Like what type of symptoms do you have? Or, you know, just tell it, tell everybody about that. Um, I would say for, and anxiety does too. I think for me, mine comes in, in obsessing and overworking. Mm -hmm. My effects are very severe um, to the point where I can't, it's never severe enough to where I can't go to the hospital, but I can't breathe. Um, I start crying. I feel really weak. I pass out sometimes. Sometimes I black out. Um, and then after that, I feel like I just got beaten up. So that's what it feels like for me. Wow. Bipolar is different from everyone else because my bipolar seems normal to everybody else who has a bipolar disorder. Mm. So mine comes in the form of manic, manic episodes. So I might have, I am extremely moody. I am extremely irritable at times. But those come in the forms of triggers. Some people mm. have triggers. But when I do, when that trigger is hit, it is very, 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 very difficult 
for me to come out of that space. Mm. Um, I also have a mania of shopping. I do a lot of excessive shopping that I should not be doing. Mm. Mania, sexual activity. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes I want to have sex all the time. Sometimes I can go two to three, two to three years without having sex. That is manic activity. Wow. So it shows up for in different people in different ways. I have family members who their manic activity, they might try to commit suicide or they might try to hurt somebody else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They might run away or they might like, it it depends on is I think it's three different disorders. It's bipolar one, bipolar two, and then bipolar depression. Mm -hmm. So there are, there are levels to it. And it just depends on the person really, because my episodes look much different than, um, my aunt who I conf- who I've been recently confiding in a lot where she'll just come to work one day and just be like, Hey, all right, I'm here. And if somebody takes it off, she'd be like, I'm gone. You don't mm-hmm. see me like another two weeks. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, Sorry, no, it's totally fine. Totally fine. So I'm so glad that you, you know, have have are taking the steps to make sure that you know, you find the proper balance, but also that is, you know, sometimes, you know, I know that you have, you have been on medication, but then you had to, to change it up because of different scenarios. Can you walk us through what that looks like and that type of self-care? Because I know when sometimes when people who suffer from mental um, illness, they start feeling better and then they try to wean themselves off and then it gets, it can get progressively worse. So can you, can you speak to the balance that you are making sure that you're, so that you can keep yourself as the best version of yourself and then trying not to heal yourself when you need to continue to keep, uh, you know, stay the course as far as your medical, uh, your medical, um, as far as your medicine is concerned. Well, I can show you what that looks like. I was trying to find the other one, but I guess somebody confiscated it from me. So <laughs> I have been on. I have been on a total of six medications within the past year. Oh, wow. My first medication was Citalopram. I was first diagnosed with depression. Wrong diagnosis. It was making me have manic episodes. Second medication was um, clonazepam for my anxiety. Um, very helpful. I haven't had any issues with it. It's um, it's been helping me with my anxiety attacks. The only thing about, you know, this particular medication is it just puts me in I don't care mode, mm. <laughs> which is better than caring too much for me. Right, right, right. I've had, I mean, my bipolar, which I mean, and then, then I've had, you know, other things that I've taken. So Typically, I've been, this is what I've been told. I don't know if this is fact or not, but it takes about six or seven times for a doctor to find the right combination of medications for you. Okay. Because it depends on what your diagnosis is, um, what your symptoms are, what your body can handle. And I think for me, because I've been on so many medications, my body physically is trying to still adjust to what I'm taking right now. Mm-hmm. So even though mentally I'm starting to feel better I'm, and I'm under less stress because I'm working less, my body is starting to not feel as good as my mind is because my body is still trying to overcome. process. Right. Yeah. 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 Process those last couple of medications. Wow. So, yeah. So just be weary of that and just be prepared to know that, Medication is not a cure. 
and you're going to get a lot of band-aids throughout the process and once you find out what works for you that's what you stick with and a lot of people don't want to be on medication because it makes them feel like it's not like I took what is it called I took um a medication that made me like literally and this is why I was on medical leave I was literally a zombie for half the day like slobbing and everything like like what's going on like I was still doing my job but I was like am I right right letters like it makes it literally makes you a zombie so yeah yeah find what's right for you and a lot of bipolar meds sad to say have made me feel like that with the exception of that one so Mm, man well preferably you're going to find the right the right combination that works for you and I'm glad you said you when we started the interview you had the Himalayan saw and what are you doing like holistically like outside of the medicine world to make sure that you remain balanced and and stay the best version of yourself. What are you, how are you coupling those things? Um, outside of that, I, theater has always been my outlet. Yes. In my comfort space. And I tell people all the, all the time when they ask me, when I transferred from theater to television, what was that like? Theater is a very communicative space. Mm-hmm. You. I have never been on a project and this, I'm just speaking for myself where I felt like there was any toxicity. Like every time you walk in that door, you are a family. Mm-hmm. Wherever you have, you leave at the door. This is that, like, this is not the area. This is not the time. This is not the place. Cause guess what? When you get on stage, if that's your partner, you're going to have to hug and kiss. You're going to have to hug, to hug and kiss. kiss. Right. So we do our meditation, you know, we get on the floor, we do our breathing exercises, we hug each other, we hold hands. It's a very communal and hippie and very loving space. And even if you do have that drama, it doesn't last for very long because we have to be such a tight knit community because when you're performing six nights a week, you can't afford to have drama. Mm-hmm. You can't afford to have, you know, missteps. Um, on the producing end of that, like I was saying earlier, I did everything. I did lighting, stage management, yes. producing, playwriting. I did everything except acting. You put me on the stage, I'm going to be like, uh, no, we're mm-hmm. not doing that. But I can direct you, though. Um, <laughs> so, And I've toured shows. So for me, um, I found comfort in the fact that there was a structure. And because of my disorders and because of me being an Aries and an overachiever and having to have a structure to succeed, I felt comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Anywhere in the world I went, when I went to South South Africa to be a dramaturg, I, they didn't have to explain to me what my drive was. Mm-hmm. Because I a dramaturg is a dramaturg where do you go to India, Africa, Europe, wherever. A theater director is a theater director whether, wherever you go. Right. You're a stage manager wherever you go with tv it's different the jobs are not the same wherever you go and that's what i've been hearing not that i've had that experience but i've been hearing that from um multiple co-workers and just people who've been in the field where they'll say oh you know like when i produce this is what we do and da, da, da. i'm like oh okay well when we produce we do it you know we do it this way they're like oh that's cool and i'm just kind of like oh so i'm just gonna have to like learn <laughs> <laughs> I go just kind of you know stack what I learned right time and I'm not used to I'm used to a structure so I my breakdowns this time 
mentally and physically were because I'm used to, I've been doing this for over a year and I'm grateful for Fox for giving me an opportunity. I'm grateful that they're giving black women specifically yeah. an opportunity to produce these shows and shout out to Justin, who's our only black male producer, <laughs> but <laughs> um, just not coming from a field I've been working for for 17 years and stepping into something completely new and having to do something completely new and having so many changes, I think is what is what really kind of rocked me this time. Cause normally yeah. I wouldn't need a break. Normally I would just kind of be like, if you know, if there's a change on the stage, I'll be like, okay, whatever. It's gonna stay like that till the production's over. Yeah. <laughs> we change it. But in TV, it's like if we change it, we gotta schedule you to reschedule you the next week, get a call three hours later. Oh, we're gonna move you two weeks later. So it's it's different. And I think right. I have to get used to and adjust. Right. I'm getting used to it. I hear you, but it sounds like to me that your, you know, your true passion is, is theater. You are the founder of the activist theater company. Um, uh, tell everybody about that. Like tell, you know, why did you decide to start this company? Um, what exactly are you guys working on right now? And see, I see your, your face light up and I understand that what you're doing for Fox So is amazing. You've produced me several times. I love working with you, which is how we generally, how we got connected but I want you to do also feel that what you're doing serves you well. Mm -hmm. So, and I think theater, uh, is that it, it, I think theater is that thing that lights you up. So yeah. tell me more about that. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. And I'm okay. the bows for that. Um, just because he's like a dad to me. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> he saw what I was doing in Atlanta and he saw what I was doing with theater and he was like, yo, I gotta have you on my team. Like. Mm -hmm you are a hustler. So, I mean, I think it's a combination of both for me, but because I've been doing theater so long and it's been my coping mechanism mechanism for, for, you know, diseases that I didn't even know I had, it just holds a more special place in my heart. Okay. I, got it. Yeah. Um, but black matter is, well, first of all, let me just tell you Well, I told you how I got into theater at first, but black matter is a thesis that I wrote. At oh, okay. University. It was the first theater thesis in the history of the department. Yes. Because um, I walked in, they were like, what do you want to do? I said, theater. They were like, what you what, trying to do? Right. <laughs> what you going to defend about theater? <laughs> do some data analysis. And they were like, I don't know if we have anybody in this department to help you. I said, well, y'all got to find somebody because that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So. We ended up doing it and now they're using my thesis as a model for other performing arts students. Nice. So they loved it so much. So I turned it into a play. Um, we did our premiere at the Atlanta Black Theater Festival, sold out the smaller theater. They put us in a bit, the bigger theater. We sold out of that. Since then, every single performance has, of this play has been sold out. Wow. Um, got introduced to James DeBose, showed him a little bit of my work. He hired me on the spot. Um, just because of like the hustle and the brand and mm -hmm. what I was doing. So this particular book that I have coming out is just the poems and the monologues from okay. the show. It does not include the scenes. Okay. And you wrote all of this? Yes. Okay. So, um, and the play itself is about Black taboos. So I'm a very real. <laughs> people like to argue with me because I'm a realist. Mm -hmm. I 
going to beat around the bush. I'm not going to BS. And that's why I think they probably put me on the Mike and Donnie show because I'm not going to play no games. Like I believe in black on black crime. I believe that there's a stigma when it comes to raping women in a black community in our families and we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. I believe that there are black men in our families who are being raped by older black females or older black aunties mm-hmm. and it's being incurred. I believe in that type of stuff. And that, that bothers me. So that's all in this play. We talk about LGBTQ issues. We talk about hair, all kinds of hair. Lie, dye, you know, what they say, fried dye, laid to the side, right. natural hair, everything. Um, we talk about... Um, black on black crime as it relates to so my favorite poets are the last poets and they talk about the difference between being a black man and a nigga mm-hmm. and i kind of feel like because of the systemic and economic oppression that america has put us in it has allowed a lot of our black men and women to become niggas and not black men and women. Mm-hmm. All of us are not gonna go to college. All of us are not gonna become lawyers and doctors, but we gotta sell drugs. We gotta do X, Y, and Z. We gotta join the game. Why? Because we have to survive. Mm-hmm. But if somebody step on my on my Tim's, or if somebody stands in my corner, I have to shoot them. Mm-hmm. But that's what the media puts out. They put all of that out for the whole world to see. So that way, when white people look at, well, when Caucasians or people of other races look at us, mm-hmm. it's okay to do that to us because we do that to us. That's mm-hmm. how they feel. So when people go back and forth with me about it, I'm like, no, no, no. Let's get it straight. I'm not saying this is our fault. Right. But this is something that we have to fix within ourselves. And we have to recognize that it's an issue and we have to fix it. And that's what a lot of people don't want to recognize. They want to say, oh, but police brutality. Oh, but white on white crime. We talk about black people right now. Right. Black people are dying at rates that no other ethnicity is that even in other countries, they don't like us. So let's put all those other conversations aside and talk about what we need to fix. Mm-hmm. So that's what this play is about. Okay. Um, so these are just the monologues. The no evil is the um, the monologue about the young black boy and how his father glorified him having sex with the older woman when really she raped him. It's mm-hmm. rape. So just kind of educating people and just letting them know we have to fix the problems we have going on in our community and make it right. And then I have like a couple of like little mm-hmm. pictures first premiered. And yeah, it's going to be really cool. I'm going to send you a book. I'm going to send okay. you a t-shirt and invite all that good stuff we're having a reading and a champagne party it's also going to include performances Mm -hmm. and then we're also going to do a play in february nice good 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 so are you gonna is that gonna be like available on amazon or is it gonna be on your website it's already i didn't want to okay so i'll drop it to you since Mm -hmm. it'll probably be out by the time we air this so it's already on lulu books that's the cheapest you can get it because that's my original publisher okay barnes and nobles it's on kindle mm-hmm. and it's on apple books nice nice good stuff good stuff so um you know as black women uh in the workplace we when we speak our minds we're automatically considered aggressive 
or a bitch. Um, your thoughts on how we continue to navigate in our space, even after the, the election of, of Joe Biden and our and my soror and our sister Greek, uh, Kamala Harris is vice president. I mean, we're, we're, I'm sure there'll be a shift, but we still gotta work. It's still, there's still work to be done. How do we continue to navigate in our, in, in our spaces with high powered jobs, no matter what, high powered from the, from, 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 from the you know, cubicle worker to the C-suite? How do we continue to navigate and, and, and know that people should uh, recognize our worth? I think knowing your worth is the first thing. And yeah. I think that was troubling for me when I entered the TV industry, because that was something I was stepping my foot into. In the um, theater world, I knew what my worth was. So when it came to TV, I think knowing, well, just in general, knowing what your worth is, and you don't have to be the loudest in the room, but the reason why I got promoted so many times and James and Brad and whoever else can attest to that is because I stayed silent and I did what I was supposed to do. I stayed silent and I went above and beyond. I stayed silent and anything that was asked of me, I, it got done. I didn't have to be the loudest in the room. Mm -hmm. But if I did have an issue, I addressed it professionally. Um. And I think that's how we have to navigate for now, because if you are seen as somebody who is too outspoken, too loud, too this, too that, then it becomes, oh, this person is a problem person. Then it becomes, a, oh, we trying to get you out of here. Then it's a blackballing issue or whatever the case may be. And I'm not, I'm not saying this is an issue at Fox. So I'm just saying, you know, hypothetically, mm -hmm. that's what it may turn into. But you can be a professional. You can be a strong black woman and work your ass off and do it in a way that's humble and silent and people see what you're doing yeah james and t and everybody at fox so tell me all the time we see what you're doing like right. you don't have to you're not one of those type of people where where we have to explain what aubrey is doing we see it mm -hmm. the work so, speaks for itself mm -hmm. yeah the work speaks for itself beautiful beautiful so in 2013, you became a member of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. Did SG Rho choose you or did you choose SG Rho? Um, that kind of went both ways. <laughs> um, <laughs> I come from a family and friends of Deltas and AKAs. Mm -hmm. um, I did have a teacher who was an SG Rho and I remember distinctly not knowing what that was until I met her. Mm -hmm. um, growing up in the South, growing up in Atlanta, of course, all you know is AKA and Delta. So what I did was I did my research. I went to the MPHC events. I didn't set myself up because you know, some folks be setting themselves up. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, you're like, go to it where everybody is. Yeah, go where everybody is. Exactly. MPHC events and um, at Georgia State, I just saw, it was a smaller chapter. Mm -hmm. Um. I knew what I could bring to the table and I saw an opportunity to bring a different, to make a difference, but that's the type of person that I am. I'm a leader, not a follower. So if I see an opportunity to take something and make it great, that's what I'm going to do. So after I joined that chapter and after I built that chapter, it became one of the largest chapters in the United States. Nice. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I can say it kind of went both ways for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely proud to be a member. I'm proud to see how far my particular chapter has come mm -hmm. and just hoping to see us grow more as an organization. 
Um, they have a very strict policy about just like, you know, letting a certain amount of number of girls in, but I think that they should let go of that and just, you know, anybody who's qualified, anybody who's beautiful, smart, educated, and is down for the mission should be able to join the organization. Right. Um, they're big on keeping it small because everybody else is so big, but I'm just right. like, as long as they, you know, as long yeah. as they let them in. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. I, I really do admire um, a lot of the programs you all have uh, nationally, internationally. I think you, you all do great work. I mean, we all do great work, but I, I'm very, very fond of this swim, swim 1922 program that you all have because I'm a swimmer, grew up I, as a swimmer. Huh? Still, no, I've been to, I've been to the event. I still don't know how to swim. Girl, you better get in there with the kids. But I love that program and uh, a lot of the work that that you all do. So kudos to you. Are you very? Are you now? Are you still active? Uh, and and are you you and your line sister still cool and stuff? I actually just went to. We had a reunion trip in D.C. for one of my for uh, our line. Uh huh. Because everybody was going to be uh, busy November fifth, which is the actual day that we crossed, and that was my mom's birthday. Okay. So, reunited um and just had a lot of fun um I think with all of the projects that I've had to do I'm still like navigating between grad chapters mm-hmm. um, and with my schedule I'm well first of all I need to figure out what my schedule is is it going to be one day is two days and then you know I got theater stuff so just really figuring out what chapter I want to join whether it be Lambda Sigma Sigma the Decatur chapter which is where my house is or um, my graduate chapter from undergrad and just kind of doing my research and then yeah. just out that way because I was going to join a grad chapter in California but then I had to move back here because of COVID so right right in a perfect world as far as uh, professionally what is that perfect world for you or have you figured that out I mean you're still very young and I'm so glad like you uh, I, I could be your cool auntie and maybe your young mama but I just, I'm inspired by you because of just your, just how your fight and your willingness to just make it happen. I'm always enamored of young, young women in particular, young black women who are go-getters. I'm a go-getter, but y'all are on a different level of go-getter, <laughs> but you all inspire us. So I'm curious to, to know like where, what is the end all be all for you if you could write it out? Or are you a person that just enjoys each step along the, jo- the journey? I'm a planner. I know you are. <laughs> I can't just go with flow. Um, I think for me mentally, this is this is a two a two part answer for me. Mentally, I have to stop fighting myself. Mm. Um, even on medication, stop fighting myself. Stop fighting this stigma that people are going to look at me differently because I'm bipolar. People are going to look at me as a, people in my family are going to look at me as another burden because there's another person in the family. Who's this? Um, not being afraid to speak up in job environments. Um, so that for me mentally is going to be my journey. Um, especially after crying about it for like three days and like talking to folks about it. I think mentally that'll be, that's talking more about it helps me f- helps me so I think that's going to be that for me mentally and then the other part of that is continuing to stick with television just because I do love the fast-paced energy I do love creating these wonderful shows and seeing them on screen and seeing how happy Mike and Donnie are and seeing how happy my new host will be um, with their new project just because I just I just like creating things. And I think television is one of those things that even though I like structure and I'm a creature for structure and I need it for my mental health, that's something that I need to adapt to. 
it's very important mm-hmm. to be able to adapt because if I cannot adapt, I cannot, um, I cannot further myself. So being right. able to adapt to that and then eventually owning, getting my space because before I moved to California, I was going to put a down payment on a theater space to perform shows. So being able to do that and then of course creating content for Fox. So James said he wants my play to be on Fox. So I said, well, listen, you're going to have to let me direct this play. I can't be right five days a week and directing. You you have to pay me right, right. Um, yeah. So yeah. So he he knows like where what my potential is, and um, we'll we'll just see where it grows and how it happens. And I'm excited to help him create new content. I'm excited to create content of my own, and hopefully just merge the two together one day, and maybe seeing if we yeah series of this. Yes. Yeah, I go. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. How can people find you, support you, and you know, send you good vibes and energy? Um, so you can find me personally at underscore master of the arts. I did that after I got my master's in African American studies. Come on, master. <laughs> From Georgia State. Yes. Uh, so underscore master of the arts is my personal page. And then underscore the activist. So that's my theater company. It's the uh, I'm sorry, underscore the activist like activist but uh, it's, it's weird i came up with it on, on i don't know <laughs> anyway <laughs> good name for what we do because we're a theater company for social justice projects so that includes, okay um that includes anything that ranges from native american social justice projects lgbtqia black lives matter anything we're actually working with um a poet out in Arizona right now to turn her piece about Indian reservations and what they've done to the people on the reservations into a a um, a performance piece, a very very short performance piece. So good, good. Well, I'm happy to have had you on the Cool Store podcast. I look forward to uh, working with you in the future at Fox Soul, whether it's be as a fill in or our show together. <laughs> Look, you know, be there. I ain't going nowhere unless they let me go, child. And then they'll find me somewhere else to go. But you're gonna, you're gonna be all right. You got, you got it all going on, as the people would say. Got it all going on. Well, thank you so much, Aubrey. I really appreciate your time today. And uh, oh, one thing: what is your definition of cool? I always ask my guests that. What is your definition of cool? Cool is somebody who's not afraid to speak their truth and be the, be themselves. And I think for a long time that has been me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think recently I've been able to open up and do that. So that'll be my difference. Yes. Well, she is a cool source of Sigma Gamma Rose Sorority Incorporated. And I appreciate your time today, sis. I appreciate you too. Yay. <laughs>